Uh, no, the industry just has evolved. I mean, uh, everybody used to buy a pair of uh, box and gloves. Everybody used to protect their nuts. Over the last two or three years, uh, it's getting harder and harder to sell gloves or boxes to people. Um, people just accepting that prefer to save the five or seven bucks and, and get shot in the Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of Down Under Paintball. This week, I sit down with Danny Cumming. This was a great episode. It's something I haven't really covered much on the show. We had a good chat about, you know, what it's like to run a field and have the everyday punters coming through. It's something that not everyone's done, running paintball groups, but it's definitely an art form, and me and Danny covered that quite well. I feel like Danny did a really good job in this interview. I didn't really have to guide him too much. He just sort of spilled it all and told me everything about the history of uh, paintball and paintball in Victoria. So unfortunately, there's a little bit of background sound in this one. So sorry about that one, but hope you enjoy the chat with Danny. I'm Scott and this is Down Under Paintball. Here today, joined by Daniel or Danny Cumming. How's it going? Oh, fantastic, Scott. Mate. How are you? Oh, I'm great. It's uh. Yeah, good, good to catch up with people in the trying times we have at the moment with the isolation. Oh, yeah, it's driving us nuts. I mean, I don't think I've basically been just so inactive for, I, I just don't, probably just last time I got closed down by the police 15 years ago. So, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So how, how's everything going? Are you, are you handling it all right? Like you, yeah, getting through it? You can oh, see yeah. the light on the other side. Oh, yeah, I think it. I think it's going to affect the industry majorly. I mean, everybody's getting accustomed to social distancing and basically uneducating people not to do what they're going to spend the next six to twelve months doing to actually get back out there and actually get next to their mates and just have a bit of fun. It's going to be quite hard. Yeah, I guess we're lucky. Paintball's a pretty, pretty social distancing sport at least uh, while yeah. you're playing. Maybe not on, on the in the uh, in the car park and that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh well, yeah, that's the whole thing because you know you rely on people coming in their buses or two or three in a car. Then they congregate at the front desk. Um, you've also not just them playing. You've also got the girlfriends, mothers, wives, uh, you know, who are going to be the major influencers, encouraging people not to actually get out there. Um, and you know, like. Paintball, like the industry itself, uh, survives on probably about 40 to 60 percent bucks parties. Yeah. And you know, like all of our bookings in from March onwards uh, just evaporated. And the whole argument was because the reception centres, which are hosting the weddings, uh, yeah. aren't uh, operating, they're, they're basically no need for bucks parties. So yeah, okay. it, it, it was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, unfortunately it is. I know that that's how like a lot of field operate. We you don't make your bulk of your money off our tournament players. It's more the the punters and stuff like that. They're the ones that bring in the in the yeah, the steady stream of income. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean the tournament players. Um, shit. Uh, the average tournament player doesn't realise how much of a discount he truly gets. And, I mean, I understand that compared to some parts of the world where it's sort of expensive, um, like you can go to the US and compete in some of the events like in Excel or over there and you're only paying, I don't know, 45 to $50 per box of paint. But that's still US. 
and that still works out to probably about 70 or 80 bucks. Yeah. Uh, down here in Victoria for the NXL, the average price for, for the three-star, four-star, and five-star is anything between like 75 to $90 a box. So the difference is on probably maybe the GST component, if that makes sense. So we're fortunate yeah. down here for cost-wise. Um, but, I mean, I've been involved in paintball. I remember one of the events I played down at Carrum Downs back in probably 93, 94. It was 250 bucks a case. <laughs> and, yeah. that, and you know, there was 500 bucks for two boxes of paintballs for myself. And I was like, and when you're talking 25, 30 years ago, when the average wage was probably, you know, 450 bucks or even less, 350, when you're paying 500 for two boxes, you know, um, I mean, the average. What's the average wage supposed to be nowadays? You know, seven fifty to nine hundred. Take yeah. home. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. and when you go to an event and it's going to cost you uh, three, four hundred dollars for paint. It's even. Yes, it's expensive, but at the end of the day, it's something you can basically um, save for, manage for. Does it make sense? It's not uh, a horribly expensive sport if you want to talk about motor racing or anything like that. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. I've looked into doing that, and it's just, yeah, uh, I, I didn't get very far into it once you saw how much it cost. <laughs> oh, yeah, a bottomless pit. And, yeah. and it's, it's great when you're in your 20s. You can do whatever you like, but once you get past that, uh, you you have a family, then all of a sudden, and I think that's why the majority of paintballers are, between, you know, the late teens, 20s, early 30s, because once you get past that, it's like any sport. You've got to start looking at the future, looking after yourself. Yeah, that's no, probably the main reason why people get out of the sport is uh is a family. Yep. yep. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you mentioned uh, playing, you know, events back in the day. Like, why don't we start right back at the beginning and let us know how you got into the how you got into the sport? Oh, okay. If you go back. I'm talking in the 80s. Uh, well, first off, um, my original sport that I did from my teens right through my 20s, I was a wrestler, amateur wrestler. I uh, went to uh, two Commonwealth Games. I uh, went to three, four World Cups. I went to three or four World Titles, and I went to one Olympics for oh, Australia. Yeah. And when I was like in, I was 26, 27 at that stage, and, you know, I'd been competing for years uh, and I was I was looking at the end of my sport. I was also um, looking at uh, had a girlfriend who I was, I was getting quite serious with, uh, who's now my wife for the last 30 years. Um, <laughs> yep, thank you. And so one day my wife's uh, cousins, they invited me to come and play paintball. And I was like, what's that? And when he told me what it was, running around the bush, dressed in camouflage gear, hunting each other down, shooting at each other, I couldn't get there quick enough. I thought it was fantastic. Um, fell in love with the first time, played every week, two weeks, um, snuck away whenever I could. And then I went, no, nope, I can do this. I could. So we basically, in, I think I've, First started playing in 88. I think it was in my first competition. I think it was 89 or 90 was when the green machine from the US came over, which had Ron uh, Palmer and all those sort of people in it. Um, yeah, okay. And that's what really introduced us because I was up in Newcastle 
and that introduced us to a whole different style of paintball. Uh, Longballing back then, no such thing. You'd basically be sneaking through the bush, bigger areas, you know, having the odd shot, not longballing like they did. Um, I played with the Blackwood Hunters, which was a field um, west of Melbourne at that stage. Um, it used to snow actually there. I, I played okay. quite a few times in six, eight inches of snow. And the paintball magazines of the time, when they first brought one out, I was fortunate enough to be on the front cover, which was they just wanted somebody who was stupid yeah. enough <laughs> to jump over some barricades covered in snow and not kill themselves. Um, but so that's where I first started. I started with the Blackwood Hunters uh, with Al Grierson. Al Grierson was a character in the industry back then. Um, then I was lucky enough to basically uh, be able to operate underneath one of these six licenses. Back then in Victoria, there's only six licenses to play paintball. It was done underneath a uh, regulation council. So the six licenses permitted companies or people to run paintball events, which meant that people didn't have to have a shooter's license to actually participate in it. Then once, okay. yep. So when sounds crazy. Oh, it is. Then when my when we convinced when I convinced my wife, which didn't take much, to get involved in the business, we sold uh, our house, and um, I was supposed to move back with my mother for maybe two years while the business got going. So after eight years, we finally left. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was trying times for my darling yeah. ones. Um, <laughs> But the industry itself, uh, look, back then uh, it was seen as paramilitary. In Victoria, here's an interesting thing. Uh, we, we, we opened our first field back in, I think, uh, 93 uh, after purchasing a property in 91. It took us nearly two years to get through the planning approval because we were all paramilitary nuts. Then even after yeah, we yeah. passed that, uh, we couldn't operate on Sundays. There's no... There was no shooting for pleasure or profit on the Sunday, so we could only trade on the Saturday. That's how that's, ridiculous uh, it was. Uh, that's where, like, majority people don't normally go to play paintball during the week. No, that's right. <laughs> uh, Crazy. Yep. Then, then uh, we we did the paintball. Then in '96, the regulation and council was coming up for renewal because it ran for 10 years. Uh, then Port Arthur happened. Then we were closed down. Um, okay. Then the industry itself basically banded together to do a lawsuit to basically argue the point to get it uh, running. Yep. Uh, we lost in the courts. But, wow. um, Did but, it go uh, like all the way to the high court or? No, no, or? no, just, just, just the Supreme Court in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah but, okay. But the police on the on the steps basically said, well, we could have done it a lot different and uh, they weren't particularly interested in us. It was just unfortunate yeah, okay. that they had to close. So I, we were only allowed to play with people who had shooter's licences, but um, we just, we technically in Victoria, every, all the operators just ignored it. Uh, we sort okay. of started operating. So, but um, then I purchased... Um, Coldstream, my second field in the Yarra Valley in 99 um, and because he was closed because he wouldn't operate illegally uh, yeah, okay. so we operated illegally uh, <laughs> we then purchased the property 
Uh, and the first day we opened, we had 150 people on the Saturday and 150 on the Sunday. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, it was, it, just, it, was, it was mad. Then we're running the, I had two fields, the Bland field as well as the Coldstream field. Those up to the 90s. But, I mean, we, we ran uh, tournaments at uh, Belain in 94 and 96. Michael Swat came down and played oh, yeah. there. We used to play over at uh, Strathhausen in South Australia with the Screaming Phantoms with the tournaments over there. I think that's when I first met Michael over there, you know, when we were competing against each other. Apparition, my team, originally played with Blackwood Hunters. Apparition started in 95. Yeah, okay. Um, yep, so even though at the moment um, I don't really have a team, um, but over the years, you know, tournament plays well, it's gone. Yeah. Um, being one yourself. Um, yeah. You know. It's hard to get away. It is. It's so <laughs> hard. Um, so the industry has had its ups and downs. Uh, the Blackwood Field closed in about 96 because Dion Gilbert, who owned Coldstream, yep. uh, convinced um, Al Greeson, who in the Blackwood Field, to basically sell him the licence so they could band together to market better. Yep. But what happened was Dion, being an individual, um, just absolutely screwed him, screwed him over. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then when the industry was closed down, um, the field wasn't operating, and yeah, so I bought that one. Then in, then I think we operated illegally until '93, uh, when the police decided to basically close everything down. Yeah. Uh, that the reason the industry was closed down in Victoria was because um, what's the guy from Moam at that time? Manda, Manda, what's the guy from Moam? <laughs> that was. Peter, 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 what, you know, what, um, Peter, Spencer, Spencer yeah, Spencer, Peter yeah, Spencer. Okay. The funny yep. thing is, I, I used to play on Peter's team, the Jets, we played over at the Rotorua Open, uh, yeah, I think in 90, in 2002 and 2003 with the team. Yep. But, yeah, I saw some photos of that, yeah, it looks Oh, it was great. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Um, no, it was really excellent. We, we won the first year, and then the second year, um, I think, I can't recall. I don't think I played the second year. I think I, I, we were closed down uh, because Peter uh, was writing letters to the police minister down here to get us closed down because we were all operating illegally where he was over the border operating New South Wales, <laughs> and everybody's going over there. And, yeah, okay. you know, I, I can say that he did it because we're, I was sitting at a table having, having uh, dinner with him when we were there with Peter Russell on the other side, and he told me to my, to my face that he did. <laughs> so, so it's not as though it, he, he, yeah. it's, it's an accusation. He did. And at the end of the day, it's 15 years ago, so it doesn't matter. But yeah. what happened, but what happened, because he dropped us in, we got, we got raided. But then I went up and put a deposit on the, a block of land in Moama, which was next door to him. There was a barbed wire fence between us, and I put yeah. planes in to put a, a building up there with swimming pools and all shit like that. And then, then what happened was that we, then, uh, while our planning application was going ahead and we were closed, 
yeah. uh, I got an opportunity to go to a function where the police minister was um, uh, fronting, and I had a word with him, and I found out that he had all intentions of reopening the sport back in Victoria. Oh, so, okay. So oh. once I found that out, I then uh, uh, forfeited the deposit on the block of land in Moama. I then put, uh, then I purchased uh, the cockatoo field in east of Melbourne because I was yeah. closed. Because <laughs> I knew, be- I knew about four months before everybody else that everything was coming back. Um, yeah. So then we ended up with three fields, which we still got today. Yeah. Then we contacted the other operators in. Victoria, which was Steve Gouchy, uh, Mark Fitzgerald, uh, Peter Russell. Um, who else was there? There was another operator as well. Um, that we that like, we had a meeting with the police minister, and that you know we wanted them to be involved in it. Originally, uh, when I found out the industry is coming back, uh, my first my first. Uh, gut feeling was to form five different companies and to screw everybody else over in the state. Um, well, that was stupid. But that, yeah. the only reason I was going to do that because six months earlier, the other operators were who were all still talking to each other uh, contacted us and said they had a meeting with the previous police minister yep. and he had bailed on them and told them not to come. And because my family was associated with the, the um, Labor Party, because I've been a city councillor, my brother's been a city councillor, my brother's been a mayor, my sister's been a mayor, my sister is current uh, Upper House West member for Victoria, yep. so we've been involved in politics for a while. They asked yep. if there was anything I could do to help them because the police minister of Belk. Yeah, and my and my first words were with them is that uh, at what stage were you going to invite me? Yeah, okay. I own That's three that. fields, and the other operators were trying to backdoor me. Yeah, so, it sounds like just uh, yeah. it, you could almost it sounds like a soap opera. The the amount of uh, just different things that everyone's been doing to each other. It's, oh um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, but like yeah. I said, I wanted. I was first. My first impressions were like, "Oh, here's a good opportunity, a bit of revenge." But yeah. then I thought, well, if I rock up at a meeting with five new faces, first off, they would know that the other operators have been contacting them. If I tried to pretend that these people don't exist, it would make me look stupid. It would make the industry look hopeless, and there would be absolutely no way that we could actually convince them that we're a legitimate organisation. So I invited everybody else so we could get the actual industry going, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so when we opened up, um, business was back to normal within a week. It was fantastic. I was running 500, 600 people at the free fields in, yep. within a month. And so, so when was that? Like when did you guys get it back? Oh, that was back in 2006, 2007. Yeah, okay. I didn't realise it was uh, illegal for that long. <laughs> oh, it's it, it, from, from 2006, no, from 96, when the when everybody had to have a shooter's license in Victoria, it was 2003, we were, we, most of us were operating illegally. Uh, I yep. was the only one who was prosecuted. Uh, they did a, a police raid. Uh, the basically the, the operation was Operation Farsi. They'd been doing investigation for three months, 
Um, yep. When they did the interview with the other operators, they were like, no, 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 no one's, no one's operating. It's only all Danny. You know, they're all pointing the finger at me, which was, oh, yeah, wow. that's life. And, but the, even the police said that I had no friends in the industry. They said they were all dobbing me in, even though one of the fields, the cockatoo field, that I bought, I bought from one of the other operators four months before the industry got closed down because he found out the industry was going to be raided and I was targeted. And so yep. he decided to sell me the field, <laughs> knowing that I was going to be raided. So, yeah, right. um, well, oh, it's yeah. but, and But he was probably one of the first operators in the country. He yeah, okay. basically, yeah, he was operating, he was involved with the um licenses when it first uh, formed back in 86 which meant he yeah. was involved he was in he was involved in, in in 85 so he he was arranged from 84 85 he then then he he was uh oh, what's his name again? damien damien fitzgerald his brother's mark fitzgerald runs the skyfield down in uh uh Caram downs and yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. And I know that name. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, the interesting thing too is Damien had the license, so Mark had to pay him a fee per person to operate under his license. Plus, he actually, I believe, he started the cold string field, which he then sold to Dion, which he then operated, opened a new field, which is copper two. So <laughs> uh, it's it's murky as shit. Yeah. Um, so just sounds like they've set all these fields up. Just, just for you. You've, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but now, uh, but then when, what was it, 2007, when they opened up the industry, uh, they, it's like New South Wales. If you, you could apply to the council, you could then apply to the registry, you could then open a field as long as whatever. So we ended up with, I think, I think we've got 20 fields down here running around the place. Yep. You know, okay. um, and unfortunately, we've got IPG, which is the parasite of the industry down here actually yep. the melbourne field to my understanding is the most profitable out of all of them uh they will run on average maybe 200 to 250 people on a saturday and maybe 200 on a sunday or 150 on a sunday um they they can run up to 900 people on christmas periods on in a week they're wow. massive yep That's and it, yeah. and it's on yeah, and it's on five acres yeah okay <laughs> That's uh, that's tiny for for a paintball field. It's uh. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. you go there, they've got 120 kids playing in an area which is like uh, half the size of a uh, tournament field, and yep. then beside it, you've got another group of 40 or 50 guys playing with normal paintball guns. But there's no shade cloth, there's no boundary, there's only a a, a tape between the two fields. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, it, it it's the most crazy thing. It uh, sounds like mayhem. Oh, it is. It is. It's fun. Uh, but oh well, I was stupid enough to be with them for a bit, quite a few years. So yeah. Uh, oh well. Yeah, I've heard some some pretty bad stories about that that organisation. Well, <laughs> so. well, here's an interesting thing. The it's like um, the IPG that was formed ten years ago uh, was deregistered uh, two, I think two two and a half years ago. So the current IPG that's running around the place, it's got nothing to do – well, it is the same company. They just deregistered because of all the bad uh, reviews. So, yeah. um, 
yeah. So it's not the same one as 10 years ago. Deverage yeah. so is the current one. But that guy, I think he lives in, um, is it is it New South Wales? I'm not even sure. That's, yeah. But that's what. <laughs> yeah. So, so that one is quite close to the, uh, like to the CBD down in, in Melbourne. Melbourne? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, it's basically west, around where they are. It's, it's um, southeast. There is Stipers Den, which is uh, 400 metres away. You've got Carrum Downs, which is probably about, uh, I don't know, 15 k's away. Then you've got Oakley Indoor, which is uh, probably about 10 k's away. There's about five paintball fields, you know, all within probably about 15 k's of each other down there. It's yeah, crazy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Stipers Den is quite good. Um, Oakley Indoor, they, they're doing heaps of kids. Um, Carrum Downs, they've got some mad, mad, mad games. I just don't understand how they do it. Well, I'll put it aside. They, they have an eight-meter no-go area in the middle of the field. Yeah. So you start on the left-hand side, you start on the right, and you shoot the bell on the other side, but you don't actually cross the middle. Yeah, okay. That's uh... you know? Yeah. Yeah, I guess punters like that kind of stuff sometimes. They uh, they get a bit scared about being shot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I tell you, look, compared to years ago, the industry has changed so much. I mean, when we first started playing in the 90s, people would get there at 7, seven o'clock in the morning, about an hour before you open, so they can get a good gun. Then yeah, okay. the, the, the guns were crap, the paint was crap, the goggles were crap. And it rained down here in Victoria. It rained. It rained yep. 24/7. Yeah. Uh, it would rain. It would rain at seven o'clock in the morning, and it would stop at 4:30 when everybody left. Um, and they would not leave. They would not leave. They would just, but they would shoot. You know, um, a thousand paintballs. We used to charge 240 bucks for a thousand paintballs. Yep. Um, and you couldn't have enough people. And they'd pay extra to get a semi-automatic instead of a pump-action gun. Uh, the goals were just, just horrid. Yeah. Um, so, do they have, like, a face shield then, or were they just, just eye goggles? No, no, no. The goggles were quite good. They actually had, back then, the, you had the um, JT Crossfires. Um, and I think everybody was still using them until probably that, I don't know, seven years ago, a lot of fields, you know. Yeah. Uh, but... It was just that were, compared to today, um, it's um, it's not the same as you know nowadays. Ninety percent of the goals we run at Coltrim and that are all bloody JTs, JT like you know the um, uh, Spectres, all those sort of yeah. you know they got thermals yeah, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And all our goals we run the soft foam, not the hard foam. Because yeah. I think it just seals better around the face, so you don't get as many issues. Yeah, um, no, they're definitely a lot more comfortable because those punters are out for long periods of time. They're not out for ten minutes at a time. They yeah. they need a comfortable pair of pair of goggles on their face. Yep, yep. Um, uh, no, the industry just has evolved. I mean, uh, everybody used to buy a pair of uh, box and gloves. Everybody used to protect their nuts. Over <laughs> the last two or three years. Uh, it's getting harder and harder to sell gloves or boxes to people. 
um, people just accepting they prefer to save the five or seven bucks and, and get shot in the dick. I don't, don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I remember the first time I played, I uh, that was the first thing I I, I put on. That was the, yep. the most thing I was worried about. <laughs> yeah, which field did you first play at, Scott? Anyway, mate. No, I mean, I I was lucky enough. I lived just down the road from Action, so I oh. um. Yeah, I got a job there before I actually was allowed to. I was old enough to play, so I yep. uh, just drew a friend of a friend of a friend sort of thing. Somehow got a job, and that was it. So yep. yeah, I, yep. uh, I was refing games before I was allowed to to play. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> you, you understand punters. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, oh look. Um, I, the, the, look. The this is terrible. I mean, when. My instructions to my referees, because we, we train them up, the num- there's about three main rules. Number one rule, never apologise. A, because A, nobody knows anything's wrong unless you tell them. Because at the end of the day, you don't go, oh, sorry, mate, you know, sorry you're breaking paint. The paint's a bit shit today, you know what I mean? Or the weather's no good, or, you know what I mean? Or the sticking yeah. together swelling. Or fogging, you know, sorry, your goggles are fogging. It's like, you just go, well, sorry, mate. You just say, you just say, well, my goggles are fogging too. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, or if, yeah, or or you know too. The other thing too, if you say the magic words, oh, sorry, mate, you're having gun problems. Everybody in the group will want you to have a look at their gun. The mother, the oh, the yeah. Problem. You, you know? pull the squeegee out as a referee, oh. and that's that's all you do for the next twenty minutes, just squeegeeing everyone's barrels. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. The average person doesn't know anything's wrong or anything's happening unless you tell them and that's yeah. what it is it's not me <laughs> you know because people will go oh mate can 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 you can you uh defog my goals too it's like you know oh no you mate i can still see your eyes you're fine oh mate i'm fogging <laughs> i'm fogging mate no you're not fogging yeah look at the guy beside you uh, that's fogging you're not you know <laughs> or or you say oh, oh my gun's oh my gun's not firing mate they all do that then that's fine. They accept it. But if you say, if you apologise that their gun's farting or they broke a paintball or two paintballs in the gun, I just tell them, mate, you know, you don't want to be shooting marbles at each other. But, yep. you know, um, yeah, but as, yeah, I, I still enjoy refereeing. Um, no, you still get out there and do it? Yep. Love it. I think it's great fun. But the issue is, is that I've gone from being a 25 or 27-year-old uh, owner or operator being one of the boys to being like yeah. 59 and being one of the dads. And when you butts <laughs> parties, you know what I mean? They don't want to be told by the dads, you know what I mean? And that's yeah, why okay. it's, it's yep. better for me to get young guys to run the groups, you know. Um, yep. Women, I, look, I, I've got one or two women. I've had one or two referees who have been women, um, but they more likely to cause issues. I mean, it's like my sister-in-law, she used to be one of my referees. She's very right in front of me. Terrible person. She is terrible. <laughs> um, no, it's it, uh, look. I find uh, paintball uh, brings out a lot of qualities out of referees. The average referee will start off being a meek, mild individual, and then they'll become more social and they'll become more confident. The referees who are more vocal and more barking at the very beginning are not good referees because they think it's an authoritarian thing. Yeah. And they've got more tendency to yell or nearly abuse or swear at the staff or, you know, the customers rather yeah. than understanding that it's a social thing. Yeah, um, that's it. And, and 
I, I've always got the saying that I reckon anyone that puts a mask on that drops their IQ severely. Oh. So you've always got to give give a bit of room there for the groups. Yep, yep, you do. <laughs> oh, look, and the other thing too, I try to I try to get them to learn three three names minimum three names of the group. Yeah. And everybody says, oh shit, I'm horrible with names. Oh, I can't remember names. It's easy. It's like the first person who lifts their goggles. It's like <laughs> it'll always be the big guy. Or you say, mate, what's your name? Michael. Michael, please keep your goggles on. Second, you know the organizer. The organizer is the alpha. Then you learn the alpha male. There's only yeah. three people you need to know the person who lifts his goals all the time, the person yeah. who's organized the group, and the person who everybody kisses ass to because he's the alpha male. Yeah. And then what happens, you go, you find the alpha male, which will be. Um, George, right? Just say he's George. Yeah. And you go like, you see somebody, they've got their goggles up. You go, George, George, do us a favor, mate. Get, what's his name? Yes, Michael. Get Michael to get his goggles on. George, thanks, mate. You yeah. get the group to run the thing, you know? And as long as you – and plus, if you say three or four names in the group, all of a sudden they think you might know the organizer or you might know George or you might know Michael because you just, you know, because once they hear you say a, a person's name two or three times, all of a sudden you're part of the group and they don't want to arc up on you as much because if they arc up on you, they think, well, maybe you might know one of my friends, then I'm going to look like a dickhead arcing yeah. up at a mate of a mate. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's a bit of a uh, chook mentality, but, you know, oh. as long as you know three names, you have no shoe. Even if you're just the person with the white shoes, yeah, you know, yeah. that's it. That's the easiest way to remember something. Uh, when they leave, don't wouldn't remember next week. Wouldn't remember of six months <laughs> later. I mean, you know, you are referee. You know, you get people go, oh shit, yeah, I've had you. Yeah, I remember the last time I was here, I did this. Yeah. And you go, yeah, mate, I yeah. remember you ran over there and got shot. And they go, yeah, you remember me. And you just go like, fuck, they all run over there and get shot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a juggling act, rapping. It was it was one of those things. You, it was just a, it was an art form to it. It's, it's as strange yeah. as it sounds. You had to yeah, it's just really you had to have this really subtle control over the group, and you could just tell the people that didn't have it as soon as they lost that control. Oh man, it was there were some dangerous things happening out on that field if uh, if the referee yeah isn't looking after the group properly. Oh well, you you'd know as well as I. You'd have a referee storm in, shot the shit out. Yeah. And you go like, mate, it, first off, it's like that group's uncontrollable. And all you can think to yourself is like, what the fuck were you saying to them to get them to shoot you? You're obviously yeah, being yeah. rude yeah. because, you know, yourself, Scott, because if you're – if you say, mate, get your fucking goggles on or else, the guy behind you, which is his mate, will be going to his friend going, I'd like to see him say that to me. And they, they nearly goat you. Yeah. Into doing it, and yeah. then when no, no, you've always got this be nice, polite thing. Oh, we, we've kept many groups. It's probably like you, you've probably kept heaps of groups off as well. We kept, oh, groups yeah, off. there's been groups yeah. that haven't even made it through the door sometimes. Oh, yeah, they turn up, and you can just tell, like, yeah, we'll just get, see you later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So they're dangerous to themselves and as well as everybody else, yeah. but um, I do, I've tell my staff if if you are going to kick somebody off um first off don't tell them you're going to kick them off do not say it you just say listen guys we're going to head up we're going to basically have a drink and then we're going to calm down we're going to come back out yeah. then you get them to rack their guns and then when you get them in the compound gear off mate you're finished you get yeah. the guns out of their hands yeah otherwise, yeah. They're, otherwise they're going to shoot you 
Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I've seen all that all that crazy stuff. Yeah. The, you just couldn't pick the amount of things that I've seen on, on paintball fields. Um, yeah, with, with punters, they just – everything. The, my favourite ones are guys that try and climb trees. Uh, I always love that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 There's only one way down, it. and everyone yep. on the ground's got a gun. That's right. Well, you're up there and they're just going to shoot your shit at them. And yeah. You just get like, but if they want to do it, they want to do it. I don't tell yeah. anybody not to do anything. Yeah. Oh, if, if, if they want to shoot your shit out of the buck, as long as the buck's happy with it, that's yeah. not my thing. Yeah. I just tell them. As long as they're if, having fun. It, they're exactly right. If the guy's in the fetal position, let, he's had enough. It's simple as that. Okay. <laughs> um, but other than that, uh, but most of the groups nowadays – a uh, lot softer than the the other ones, you, you know, like 20 years ago, their dads. Yep. Uh, it, sounds, it sounds terrible to say that. But, you know, you see, you know, like I said, they'd get there at 7 in the morning, bang in the head to get in, they won't leave until 5. Nowadays, you, you know, they'll be booked into play at 9, they get there at 9.30, play until 11.30, and then off by 12. Yeah, because they've okay. got four other things to do, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they'll spend the same amount of money in the three hours as they used to do in the seven hours. So. Yeah, I guess those are. Elect- did you run like electronic guns and stuff like that at the field? No. At your fields? No. Nope, yeah, or nope, even just nope. the semi-auto compared to pump. Like just the the rate of fire goes up, and yep. the guys are uh, they just want to shoot. <laughs> oh, they do. They do. I mean, look, uh, Michael's always had fantastic uh, marketing skills. The way he does everything at the front counter. Uh, um, I think he's got too many staff sometimes. I think that's always been his issue. Um, but uh, service, no, he provides a good service, him and John. Um, they're good business people. Um, and the customer, you know, he'll do whatever he can to get the customers to re- re- uh, repeat. But yep. it's, I don't think you get the same loyalty from customers as you used to 20 years ago. I used to get them to you know, you see somebody two weeks, six weeks later. Nowadays, you know, you might see somebody, you know, two years later, you know, but it's about it. Not the yeah, same. and it'd be hard, you know, like the amount of fields it sounds like you guys have down there. It's a, There's a lot of competition. I just don't think we have that much up in Sydney. Doesn't I don't think we'd have more than 10 fields. Yeah, it, it's the fact that there's just too many people. Uh, I don't know, I'm just trying yeah, it's 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 just crazy, you know. There's just too many fields a bit down here at the moment. Yep. But I'm saying that, uh, like I said, 40 to 60 percent of the industry is still just being run by IPG down here. I think that's yeah. what percentage. Marketing, it's it's that uh, nine dollar ticket. Um, just gets them in there. They just it doesn't matter. It's like the last Pequeta's pizza or the. You know, a $5 pizza, you know what I mean? You know, there might not be much on it, but it's $5. That's yeah, what it matters. Yeah. It's 5 bucks. Yeah. I had a mate who was like that. He took me to the last kid. That's probably 20 years ago. And I said, mate, these pizzas are shit. But he said, mate, they're 7 bucks. They're 7 bucks. But I said, they're shit. He yeah. said, $7. Yeah, some <laughs> people just care about that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, you can triple the price on something and then say it's half price and people will buy it because they... Yes. They think they're getting a good deal. Yep. yep. <laughs> they just see 50% off and they'll go for it. That's right. Exactly. You know. So, yeah. um, well, 
yeah, all those years ago, like what what sort of drove you? Was it just something that you wanted to do? Like you just wanted to buy a field? Was that just you just saw that business opportunity and wanted to jump on it? Well, yes. Um, I, look, I, I played it, and the first day I played it, I fell in love with it. I found that it was just, it was fun. It was an activity that was uh, everybody I played with, um, I joined the team straight away, was friendly. It was, it was just um, a great atmosphere. Um, back then, Bushball was a tournament, if that makes sense. Yep. I mean, like I said, when we when I had my own field, uh, I mean, you'd have your bunkers and you'd have your trenches and stuff like that. And you, that's what the tournament was in. I mean, I played at um, Yarrow Monday a few times, you know. I've got a couple of photos in the trenches on the right-hand side and in the bank, um, you know, or on the left-hand side in the big uh, bush stock setting. You know, that, that's what tournament was. It was. Then I played uh, up in Brisbane at one of the um, uh, internationals where it was in a soccer ground. Uh, I think it was East Brisbane. I think, uh, you know, you had the pipes running across the ground blowing up the barricades. Oh, yeah. yeah, the original yeah. supper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Michael was there. Rookie was there. Jesus. Last time I saw a rookie, I didn't believe that he was basically a cat, uh, snake catcher. Jeez, yeah. what a job. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, look, I, I got involved in paintball because uh, I fell in love with it. I found that uh, I was a people person and, um, yeah, I could do it. I just, I could. And then I had the confidence to convince my wife to basically um, sell the house to get involved in it. So yeah, it's a yeah. big, big leap to make. But um, yeah, it sounds like, uh, and it's like I just I didn't realise that yeah, you guys went through all those troubles with the with the laws um, down there, and and just I love that that civil disobedience that everyone was just getting out and still running games even if it was illegal. I reckon that's oh. awesome. Oh look. You know, I can say that. Well, my, my wife and I are the only two criminals in paintball. I mean, <laughs> because there's firearm charges, so. Yeah, okay. I know uh, it doesn't yeah. sound good, my darling wife, she's saying. Yeah, well, we both got convicted, so we're basically, we got a $5,000 fine. Yep. The guns were confiscated for proceeds of crime. Uh, I was permitted to then send them or sell them to Tim McCarthy up in uh, Brisbane, who held on to them until, and the police, even though we were being prosecuted, allowed us to transfer our gun dealer's license across to my brother <laughs> so that he could then run the games for the 12 months that we were prohibited people. Yeah, yeah. So then after after 12 months of being a prohibited individual, we got our gun licenses back. Or deal, so been a gun dealer ever since. So I've been a gun dealer since 1993. And even though we got prosecuted and got criminal charges for firearms and explosive offences, um, oh, you know, it was just, it was nuts. I mean, the legal costs were like sixty-five grand, but the fines we got two fines for five bucks, five thousand dollars each. Yeah, we okay. originally yeah. had one hundred and twenty-six charges each because allowing people to play with, while not duly licensed, they tried to charge us on all, you know, different charges. They spent three months uh, tapping our phones, all that sort of stuff. 
Yeah, okay. And um, then it turned out when we all finally got into court that uh, there was no prescribed penalty, which meant like an example is that you're not permitted to speed over 100 kilometres an hour. Yep. But there's no fine. Yeah, okay. So there's no prescribed penalty. So even though yep. you can't do it, there's no penalty for not doing it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, sort of. I like, yeah. I'm... Yeah, yeah. They just they wrote, wrote a provision in the act to prohibit you from doing it, but yep, there's no okay. prescribed penalty for yeah, it. Yeah, all right. Yeah. But, now, so, yeah. They, yeah, so they got us with unregistered firearms. They got us with explosives. They got us with um, incorrect entries in the dealer's book. What yep. the unregistered firearms were, were that we had brought in 20 guns from New Zealand that were we had to apply for a permit for. Yep. So the, we had to get a customs permit. We had to get the uh, import permit from the police. Uh, then at the end of the month, so every month at the end of the month, you put your return in. Because it was before the end of the month, the guns were technically unregistered. Even uh, yeah, though the okay. police had already given us the permit, the customs had already done the inspection, and we had just picked them up two days beforehand. And even yeah. though the, and they said, oh, well, how do we know you had these? Well, I said, well, first off, um, uh, Dennis, because we knew all the cops. I yeah. said, I said, you know, I applied to you to get a permit. You know we had them. Yeah, it sounds oh, yeah, a little well, bit bland. Yeah. Oh, it was. It was. But actually, at the end of the day, Dennis Tocock, who was the senior acting inspector, he's a very nice guy, straight down the line. I've with him for years. He's actually working at the, um, I think, uh, the Gold Coast War Museum or one of those uh, war museums somewhere now after he retired from the police down here up in Queensland. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's interesting. Tim McCarthy's interesting to talk to. Have you ever speak to somebody else? Have you heard yeah, of Tim? Yeah. yeah. No, I haven't. No, no. I'll, uh... Uh, Paintball Australia, Tim McCarthy, yeah. Madraba. Yeah, he's an interesting character. Oh, well, Great guy, too. Yeah, yeah. No, I've definitely heard that name. I, I don't know if I've ever met him, but I know that name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been hearing it for years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so how did, um, you know, moving sort of forward, how – have you always sort of catered to to tournament style paintball, or have you mainly no. been just just focused on punters? Oh no, no. Look, um, I I ran events. I've been involved with uh, the um, East Coast events. There's, there's been so many different uh, leagues come and go, um, and tournament players are the most needy individuals that need their hands held all the time no matter what you do for them it's not enough and you know know what i'm saying oh Uh, yeah 100 percent. i you know i was that nagging tournament player but i always always used to know yeah oh we want this and we get it's like you guys are paying the least amount of money to be here yeah and you guys want everything, yeah. No, they are. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, but you could understand that we're marketing for you. And I'm like, you're marketing too. You're, you're, you're marketing to convert it anyway. So there's no benefit to us. Yeah, yeah. You know? Nice. Um, but the tournament players, look, um, I, I guessed it on so many teams over the years uh, at the Masters and different events. That's why, like, like I said, with um, uh, Peter Spencer, I was – with the Jets, you know, during the early uh, 2000s. 
because I just it was easier to let somebody to jump on somebody else's team than to try to manage a team myself or have somebody because it always turns into shit, you know. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's harder on the team. It is. I just wanted. I always just wanted to play. I had no interest in managing or telling anybody else what to do. Or um, no, I I I. I fell in love with paintball and uh, but events no for quite a few years I wouldn't have tournament players on my fields well once once I had three fields and I was running flat out um, there was and the sport actually evolved into what it is today um, I didn't have the the fields to do it if that makes sense they're really yeah. punter fields yeah um, and you need a lot of room for a sub air field and it yeah. pretty much needs to be a dedicated space. Yeah. Well, you see, and but you see, that's the other thing too. Um, all my three fields, we actually now actually own all three fields. So oh, nice. As, yeah. So we own the Bland Field at 78 acres, the Coltrane Field that's uh, 55, but that's in the Yarra Valley. That's opposite. Have you heard of the uh, concerts on on the green, all those sort of things? Oh yeah. 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 We're opposite that. So okay. all around us is uh, vineyards, wineries, and shit like that. So, yeah. so we own that. And then the Blanth, actually the Copper Two Field, that's 135 acres, and that's got a bed and breakfast on it that we bought at the same time. So, um, yeah. No, yeah, it is, it is. Um, but the Blanth Field, I think, I think, ten years ago, was it ten years ago? Yeah, probably about eight years ago. We put a 10-man field up there and started running 10-man games in December. Uh, but we haven't done that for about four years because, like anything, tournament players are, or recreational players, uh, there's no law, real loyalty. They'll go to wherever uh, it's either $5 cheaper or, yeah. it's a, or, or it's in vogue at the month time. Yeah, know? yeah, that's, that's true. There'll be some hot team training somewhere and everyone will want to go and... Yep. Spend time with them, so they'll jump over there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. It is a. It is a shame. Like it's. I, I just wish. I wish more tournament players sort of knew that that's how the sport is. Like that they they always say that you know we should be so lucky to have a place where we can train or that has a field set up. Um, yep. So, because yeah, for a field owner, it's not. It's not the way that they're going to make money. Is 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 having stuff air and, and all that kind of stuff and I guess with our laws we are a bit controlled because you have to play out of out of field um yeah, yeah it's, so I think people just need to realize how lucky they are when when a field owner wants to wants to host a tournament or wants to have tournament players turn up yeah oh yeah look um uh, Scott you've been there you have you come down to uh Bright Coltrane I'm just yeah, yeah um yeah, yeah we played down there uh with yeah when i was with swat and yeah that's it when yep. we were so used to ramping and it was all semi-automatic yeah and we uh we struggled yeah <laughs> oh yeah. look yeah it's 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 funny when you think well we've got ramping down here now um yeah uh, but i mean it's set it you, you have to be 10.5 b bps yeah you know which is well uh, look, yeah, look, uh, I think since last time you are there, we've put an, another field in as well, like the tournament ones, yeah. and we've still got the compound. But, I mean, on average, you know, most events, you know, there's, like, in Div 1, you've got anything between 60, like, 9 
change and then in, in uh, novice you know you got or not novice you know division two or three uh, you've probably got about the same you know but six to ten teams you know yep. um, where you know Michael will tell you back in in the 90s there'd be tournaments where you got 30 plus teams 40 plus teams you know um, yeah it's hard to think that it was so much more expensive and the guns back then were so expensive oh and, and shit oh. Just into it. oh yeah that's right well hey uh, tell you what uh, like my father have shown you some of the old agitators or hoppers where you know they basically had those little motors attached to them and they had to have a whipper stepper uh, in the inside oh, yeah. to be able to churn the balls. Yeah, yeah I've seen you a know. couple of those, yeah. <laughs> you know, or, yeah. um, or or the idea of, well, in the late 80s and early 90s, the concept of a modified gun was polishing the inside of your brass barrel. You know, there was yeah, no yeah. eyes, there was no gravity feed, you just, or, you know, you just had to give it a good shake and... Uh, you know, you broke paint in the gun. Oh, it was, yeah, it's it's changed a lot. Uh, a lot of the the modern guns pull them out of the box and they're fantastic. Um, there's there's a few guns that I don't like, but that's that's for another day. So. Yeah, well that's and even the big switch from CO2 to to compressed air now is a bit is a bit easier to obtain and gets yes. the gun a bit cleaner and stuff. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ah, look, I've, yeah, I've got, I think, two mobile compressors besides uh, on, the, on the fields. Um, yeah, compressed air is miles better, everything about it, everything. The, the guns are better, the paint's better, the goals are better, uh, everything. The climate's better. Um, it doesn't rain a third of what it used to do 20 years ago. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> um, it used to. I remember when we first, the first day we bought the uh, cold stream paintball field. Uh, my, we were trying to figure out what sort of van to buy for my wife to be able to go from Footscray to cold stream. So we hired a Tarago and um, Toyota Tarago, and it had 500 kilometres on the tank on, on the speedo. Yeah. And <laughs> and when she got back that night, it had been raining all day. The car was filled from the bottom to the roof with gear, dirty, muddy overalls. The whole roof line was just covered in mud. And we spent the entire uh, Monday when we were taking, before we took it back, like I think about three hours, just cleaning the car, wiping the mud <laughs> out of it. And we decided that it was too small. So, uh, um, yeah, Jesus, that was, that was an experience. Um, <laughs> I love that. So yeah, you guys are still. It was like home home base operations. You were home you base. Have, yep. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's when cool. we, yeah, yeah. Well, same thing. Um, get up. Uh, the, we used to have the uh, because all the properties are fairly rural, if that makes sense. And it's not like today where you got you know sophisticated alarm systems. You got Wi-Fi. You know mobile phones or whatever you're talking about trying to you can't just stick a hundred or two hundred guns in a shipping container on a bush block which is an hour and a half away from the center of melbourne and hope that it's still going to be there you know two days yeah. later let yep. alone a week um yeah um when i when well bland when i first built the place um 
Yeah, I, I, I put a concrete slab down. Oh, <laughs> you there? Sorry, I dropped. No, I dropped right. the headset. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah. Cool. Oh no. Um, no, I, I, I've done. I've had some good ideas and had some horrible ideas. It used to fog so much. I've bought 80 pairs of fans. You know, for the JT fans. Oh yeah. Like yeah. I bought 80 pairs of them, but <laughs> they just don't work when people leave the batteries on or they get wet. So that was a waste of money. I remember that. Yeah, no, they probably would have been good for maybe the first week. Yep, yep, yeah. they're good for the average um, social punt or social individual, personally owned, but for field operation, worst worst thing ever. <laughs> worst thing, yeah. Um, but the industry over the years, uh, it's changed heaps. Um, and I, th- I think the industry's in for a challenging time in regards for the different other activities that are out there to compete against. And I think um, gel blasters is going to be a major impact on the sport um, in the years to come. I see gel blasters as what paintball was in the 80s, yeah. the, that that new activity. Um, but then again, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, uh, when Airsoft came out in the US, the, that impacted big time on, on paintball. But you know, um, it each each has got their own um, benefits. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. The um the gel blasters will like yeah it is similar. I don't know what the laws surrounding it is like in Victoria, but I know in New South Wales they're illegal. But there's same, still same as, yeah, still yeah. people playing games. There's still yep. big games of it going on in the in the forest and stuff like that that people are organising. Yep. Um, yep. So it's it's yep. out there and it's I know. Oh, I could probably name 20 people. I'm not, but I could probably name 20 people yeah. that own uh, that own them. Same here. I know uh, the same. Yeah. Victoria's the same as New South Wales. Uh, it's seen as a firearm. It cracks like a fire. You know what I mean? Looks it. They yeah. don't want it. Uh, but same thing. People are playing 10 bucks on private land. They're not, they're, like I said, it's the same as the 80s. When people first started playing, they didn't have the insurance, they didn't have the permit, they didn't have the, they didn't actually know what they were doing. Then it basically came down to the councils enforcing it. It came down to the police enforcing it. At the moment, because of all everything else that's going on in the world, um, the police are less likely to go out to a hundred acre block because it's like it's better than doing it out there than running around the streets. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, uh, doing yeah, drive-by it, shooting or anything. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, but um, and that and that's what's happening. You're getting big, in, and they're paying fifteen bucks for three thousand or five thousand little balls. Yeah. Um, and even though their guns are shooting at four hundred bs, you know what I mean? They just don't re- relate to the fact that you know you could shoot all of them in a matter of about ten to fifteen seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's um like I. I the way I sort of see it is hopefully paintball's been and like down that long road and we're sort of a bit more established that people will respect it. There might have to be some small changes if, if it ever does become legal, but um, that it, it'd have to be like an industry thing. I think like companies would have to start designing guns that don't look like real firearms to sell and, 
and all oh, that kind well, of stuff if they wanted yeah, to well, try and bring it. Yeah, well, that, yeah, Scott, that's the novelty of uh, airsoft and that's the novelty of gel blasters. They look and quack like a real gun. I mean, yeah. I'm the same as every other operator. If I could, 10 years ago, I'd have half my team, half the guys running around, today, you know, AR. Fifteens, and the other half would be running around the AK forty-seven. Yeah, you know, yeah. No, definitely, no it would and, be good. Yeah, but we can't do it. But until yep. the police orders a desire for them to actually stop it, that's going to impact on the the sport. But I think uh, there's, but there's always going to be a percentage of people who a don't want to buy their own gun, only want to ever do it once. And don't want to do it illegally. That's the other thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. I, uh, yeah. When, when you when you hold a certain position or something like that, and um, or you know you you enjoy other like shooting sports, that getting a firearms charge would be could be pretty detrimental to to yes. to what you have planned. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I also tell people too. Like I actually had a guy phone up. Um, and he was asking if he could come down and bring his guys down because uh, to play, you know. And he said, well, he said, first off, he said he had his own, uh, he had gel blasters. And he said he also got his own paintball guns and stuff like that. Yeah. I said, well, you know, by the sound of it, you don't have the license because down here in Victoria, you've got a Pacific license where up in New South Wales, you guys have now just got rid of all of that, haven't you? Yeah. 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 Luckily. Yeah, which is good. I mean, down here, uh, it's we still do the firearms safety course for it. Uh, we still have to go through. It's two hundred and five bucks for five years, and you still have to get your PTAs, all that sort of stuff. And down here, I can't see it disappearing. Yeah. Um, but with gel blasters and all that sort of stuff, you know, they're not gonna. We're we're more of a nanny state than you guys are. Yeah, I and can't I can't see, see them. them like they. There's a lot of push for even paintball to go the other direction to, to be more stringent on the rules. So I doubt that they'd ever, yeah, it's it'll be a long road before they, they allow anything like gel blasters or airsoft, which is yeah. unfortunate. That Yeah, like airsoft's good, but the yeah. same, like it's all, I understand coming from your point of view, it does affect, yeah, it's another c- competition in the in the industry. Oh, look, at the end of the day, if they made it, if, if they, myself as a selfish individual, Yes. Um, okay, well, I'll put it this way. If they legalise it, it would have to be the same requirements. A, you have to play at another location that is approved as well as insured. Yep. And the only way you'd get a place insured is if you're playing in a place that has got uh, referees and safety instructions, not just signing a waiver form and saying, well, you know, you know, at the end of the day, if you're doing it illegally, a waiver form doesn't stack up anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, no. I, t- I tell people too, it's like, yeah, Uncle, you know, you can go and play with your mate John and Bill and all these guys, and they'll put their hand up and swear black and blue. I swear I will not sue you if I get shot in the eye and bleed. Yeah. yeah. But I say, you go home and your wife, your mother, will go, what the fuck? You've lost an eye. You're a chippy. You're going to, you've lost. And yes, you're going to be suing that guy because he's his uncle bob has 150 acres and he's got money you you've lost an eye you're gonna he's gonna make you pay and that's what it is you may have all good conscience not to sue somebody but your mother or your girlfriend or your wife will be like up your ass 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, no, th- those waiver forms there, they yeah, they're worth not even worth the paper they're written on. No, no, and, <laughs> and for ten bucks, well, yeah, yeah, I just don't understand it. But oh look, um, I I, I think the social distancing is going to affect us big time, and there's, this is going to be twelve months before we sort of recover. I think by September the restrictions will be lifted. I think the overseas travel ban will be still going until probably February next year because I wouldn't be going to America at this point in time. Yep. You know? Um, No. And would you, even at Christmas time, would you jump on a plane to go to uh, Italy, Europe, or would you go through Dubai, or would you, you know? Yeah. No, it's... Nobody. Hard time to be in the in the airline industry. Mm. Oh, well, it's like, well, yeah, we could talk about all that sort of shit all the time. <laughs> oh well. Well, um, well, while I got you here, Danny, like, was there, you know, was there anyone that you'd like to to give a shout out to, or someone that, you know, any uh anyone that's like helped you during the day, like sponsors or or uh, just anyone that you'd like to give a shout out to? Oh, look, Michael and John from Action being great guys to us all the time. I mean, I first played at um, Helensburg back in the day, back in, I think, 91. Um, and, you know, they were always helpful, very friendly, never had an issue. Um, even Stephen Terry uh, from um, oh, shit, what, what, Ultimate. What, what are they called nowadays? Shit, it's been so long since I've... Um, yeah, I, I'm not Black, familiar with that name, so... You're not? Yeah. Bankstown, Blacktown Gun Shop? Yeah, okay. No, I'm, okay. I'm still... Yeah. Still blank? Yeah, they still had, blank. Sorry. They, yeah. They, they, they had probably one of the first paintball shops in, in New South Wales. Then yeah, they okay. found that they got sick and tired of spending 20 minutes talking to a paintball guy about a pair of goggles. <laughs> and then so they decided, since they had a gun license, they started selling real guns. Yeah. You know, and they used to ha- they used to own Helensburg uh, yeah, okay. before Michael. Um, and then you've got then you, you well it was like um, uh, the carcasses, you know, from um, Heartbreak Reach. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They were very nice guys. I can't believe they're both dead. It's yeah. just unbelievable. Um, yeah. But that used to be a massive field, and now it's just a little tiny little thing um they used yeah, to have an indoor field in the early in the early 90s that's where yeah, they okay. first started yeah uh, oh, cool. but no shout out well uh to hot shots uh, steve gouchy down here in um victoria uh, yeah he's him and mal they're great people to deal with same as look all operators hate each other when you're competitors <laughs> you hate each other I mean, I get along better with everybody in the state than I do with the guys down here in Victoria because I'm I'm not opposition in the state. We're here in Victoria. I'm seen as a dog, you know. Um, <laughs> it's just the way it is. But Steve, oh, yeah. yes, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. But Michael, Michael's great. Uh, I like Michael. I like John. Very helpful. Anytime I've ever been to action, I don't think I've been up there for about shit so many years. I think about four or five. Ask Michael one day about the uh, shooting contest in the car park. Okay. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. All right. He, uh, he still owes me a drink. <laughs> Actually, do you want me to tell you about it? Oh, uh, is it illegal? 
Of course not. There's nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing sure. Silly. Well, we're standing in the shop, right? And this is after, uh, I think, um, first day or second day of um, the Masters. And everybody's sort of gone. We're looking down the – and, the, you know, at the end of the grass area, there's the, like the bend down the back, there was like a can sitting there. Yep. Yeah, so okay. so they said, well, okay, let's have five bucks a shot. Whoever hits the can gets the five bucks. But it's only one shot, breech loaded. So you pick up a ball, put it in the gun, and one shot. You only have to have one. You can't have two. You can't have three. It's one shot, one shot only, and every shot's five bucks. So – I think there was there was Michael. Um, I don't know whether Ryan Greenspan was involved, but there was about there was five of us, right? Um, and Michael actually got closest quite a few times. Yeah. Uh, so when it got well, we ended up giving up when it got to about three hundred and sixty bucks. <laughs> yeah. Because you know you had to physically put in money every time you wanted a shot. Yeah. He had other people coming. Oh, I'll, yeah, here's twenty bucks. I'll, I'll have four shots. And so, oh, fuck off, idiot! If you want to, if you want to be involved, start your own pool. You know, because once you got over two hundred bucks, this was us five. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, so then we <laughs> then we gave up and we decided that the money would be best spent uh, at at the uh, presentation of the at the masters to so that the five of us could have a few drinks amongst each other. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's everything. But you know what I mean? It was five bucks a shot, and you know, we all we all think we're fucking good shots. We just just couldn't hit that can at the end of that grass knoll right down the back. You know where the bin is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like you might have started a new. We could see a new trend. Well, there was here. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, five bucks. It's just five bucks in. We're all good shots. One shot. One shot only. No two shots. Breach load, and you just pick up the paintball and put it in. That's all it is. Fucking couldn't get it. Yeah, so that was that was a novelty. That was that was fun. So yeah. Um, yeah well, Michael, was there any? Oh, sorry. Oh, Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just gonna say, was there anyone that you know that you'd uh, recommend to go on the show? Someone that you would like to either hear their story or you think's got a good good history with paintball? Oh, Al Grayson was always good. He was very, he was he was there in the uh, early um, 80s and early 90s until he got screwed over. Um, he was involved with um, South Australia and Victoria and New South Wales. He was a bit of a mover and shaker. Uh, he was trying to invent a plastic paintball in China. Um, so that was different. So yeah. those are those are biodegradable paintball, uh, plastic paintball instead of gelatin. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So yeah. he was involved in that quite a few years. Yeah. Um, ahead of its time. Oh yeah, oh, that was not there. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting concept. They just couldn't get it to fly straight because it it was more like a water balloon. It didn't have the rig, uh, uh, wasn't rigid enough. And if they made it rigid enough, it wouldn't break. It would be like shooting each other with, you know, bloody. Like a marble. Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, so the, he was interesting. Um, who else would be interesting to talk to? Um, Michael's interesting to talk to, but Michael's very business orientated toward himself. Um, Why, Brew? Yeah. Yeah, I got him on. He's uh, just just aired last uh, on Friday, his episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
you can, yeah, you can yeah. check that out if you want. And uh, oh well, oh yeah, yeah. Got to say. No, I've known Michael. I've known, fortunately. It's um, I think yeah. Oh shit, yeah. I've competed against him in WA. Oh, no, no, South Australia. Shit, that was years ago. Strapphausen. Yeah, that was all bush ball then. All right, Danny. We'll uh, we're we're sort of run out of time here, so okay. we'll have to wrap it up. You, but uh, yeah, thanks thanks for giving us the yeah the opportunity to have a chat, and thanks for dropping in and no worries, no problem, Scott. Well, awesome. thank you very much for giving us the call. Okay, but yeah, no we'll worries. see you down here one day. That's a wrap on another episode. Thank you once again to Danny for taking the time and sitting down and having a chat. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the show once again and checking this out. It was massive for me to make it to episode 10. I've read an article a little while ago that said more than 90% of podcasts don't make it past episode 10. So this was my goal to get here and to keep pushing through. So thank you, everyone, for making this all worthwhile. Thanks for all the people that have checked out and donated to the Patreon. Don't forget, if you want to help support the show, For as little as $2, you can jump on that Patreon. Just search down under Paintball. Find us on all good podcasting apps, Facebook, YouTube. If you want to get in contact, just search me out, Scott Martin. Thanks, everyone. This is Down Under Paintball.